0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Angelica Bell. And
2: Michael
3: Underwood.
1: And welcome to this special podcast as we play back the finalists of the 500 Words Black Lives Matter competition.
3: We wrangled some of the finest actors in the business to read the entries of our fab finalists. So, here we go with our very first
4: finalist. I Feel Out of Control, written by nine-year-old Sarah DeYoung and read by David Tennant.
5: I Feel Out of Control, by Sarah de Jong. George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. A police officer knelt on his neck until he died. George Floyd was black. The police officer is white. People are marching to demand that it does not happen again. They are marching against police cruelty and against racism. I feel out of control. I'm so angry and sad. When I feel like this, I like to draw pictures. I find that it helps me to feel better. But today, today was different. I took my bucket of chalk and headed outside to start drawing on the sidewalk. I began writing George Floyd's name in big yellow letters when my neighbour Mohammed walked by. I'm angry too, he said. He picked up a piece of chalk and started drawing figures of the protesters inside my bubble letters. While Mohammed drew, he shared his own stories of racism. My classmate Ping walked by. I can't believe this happened, he said, and grabbing a piece of chalk, started drawing. Ping explained how the discrimination he and his family face has gotten worse with COVID-19. I'm not a virus, you know, he said, as he drew a large sunflower onto the sidewalk. Mohammed and I nodded. We know. My neighbour Anna came by. Anna arrived in the UK some 20 years ago from Poland. This world has become very scary, she said, as she bent down and made a summer sky with sweeps of blue and white chalk. Some people broke all the windows at my son's grocery shop because of Brexit and wrote go home across the door, she finally whispered. Mohammed patted her hand. Kwame, my best friend from next door, came over carrying a list of people's names who also faced police unkindness. He took a piece of chalk and began writing their names inside Ping's sunflower. Terence Crutcher was killed by police, even though he had no gun and was no threat. Kwame explained as he signed his name to the sidewalk. Mr. Crutcher's death led to protests in Tulsa. Eric Garner died after being placed in a strangling hold by a police officer. He died because he couldn't breathe just like George Floyd, Kwame said quietly. Breonna Taylor was shot by police while standing in her own apartment. Kwame wrote her name. Freddie Gray died in the back of a police van. He broke his neck. Kwame carefully added Gray's name. Together, Mohammed, Ping, Anna, Kwame and I drew at the centre of our drawing a picture of George Floyd. I drew the head, while Ping drew the eyes and nose, Kwame drew the ears and mouth, Anna the hair and Mohammed the upper body. I proudly looked at the drawing we made. I knew that tonight's rain would likely wash away our drawing. And I knew that tomorrow morning I would likely wake up feeling again out of control and needing to draw. But for today, I said softly to myself, I can breathe now.
1: That was the delightful David Tennant reading I Feel Out of Control, the 500 words Black Lives Matter story by nine-year-old Sarah. Now Chris, tell us who our next finalist is.
4: Martin Luther King Had a Dream, written by 11-year-old Lani Harrier and read by Shobna Gulati. Martin
6: Luther King Had a Dream by Lani Harrier. Martin Luther King once said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I was there in the throng of the crowd as he spoke. The sound of freedom. It was exhilarating. The very same evening I met with Martin. I didn't know how to tell him about my project. Instead, I said, if I tell you, you won't believe me. Let me show you. It'll all make sense. He was intrigued and followed me to the basement of my home. Dosmite swirled as I pulled down the curtain and showed him my creation, my time machine. I asked if he wanted to go to the future to see if his dream would come true. My heart was thumping in my chest louder than a hammer. Would he believe me or think I'm mad? He looked at me with star-like eyes and whispered, Yes, I want to see if my dream can be real. I grabbed his arm and pulled him into the time machine before he could change his mind when shall we go he asked six generations into the future I replied with a whir and a click the dial read twenty eight zero eight twenty ninety three it was a hundred and thirty years since his speech as we stepped out the white house stood tall and proud in front of us The President of the United States was giving a speech. We froze in amazement as she introduced herself. My name is Violet Luther King. I address you today just as my great-great-great-grandfather did a 130 years ago on this very day. Martin fell to the ground, weeping. His future granddaughter was the President. Suddenly, a very official-looking car stopped in front of us, Violet climbed out of the car and said, I don't know why, but somehow I know I must talk to you. I am Martin Luther King, he replied. This wonderful young woman has brought me to see the future. Inside the White House, we sat down and explained everything. Violet told us about how much life had changed for black people. I cried, listening to how in the 2010s black people were still treated badly and how the Black Lives Matter movement came to be. People from all races, colours and religions coming together to fight for equality. After a long, slow battle for equality, things finally changed in 2063, a century After Martin's speech, I will never forget the pride in Martin's eyes as we sat listening to Violet. His dream had come true. Martin Luther King made his speech in 1963. It has been 57 years, but atrocities against black people still happen. I don't want to wait till 2063 or 2093 for freedom, for acceptance. I want 2020 to be the year when the whole world agrees that black lives matter.
3: You've just heard there the highly accomplished Shoblin Gulati reading Martin Luther King Had a Dream. The 500 words Black Lives Matter story from 11-year-old Lani.
4: So, Chris, who's our next finalist? Love is Colourblind, written by nine-year-old Evie Burton and read by Gugu mbatha Ra.
7: Love is Colourblind by Evie Burton. Summer 2020 is over, and it turned out to be a horrible nightmare. It all started with the Prime Minister Boris Johnson's shocking announcement on the evening news. The world is fighting another pandemic. A new virus is spreading across the globe and is about to reach our country. He tells us that it's nothing like we've ever seen before, as the virus attacks our eyesight, so nobody will be able to see colours anymore. All colours have disappeared from our vision, like a sort of colour blindness, so we can no longer tell each other apart. The Prime Minister has reassured us that our eyesight will come back in a few months when the pandemic is defeated or when a vaccine is invented. People started to get ready for the virus to attack. Scientists worked around the clock to find a vaccine for this new threat. Communities started labelling the colour of their clothes. Crayons, medicines, food, hot and cold taps, paints and pens, so that they wouldn't mix the wrong colours together or put themselves in danger. Two weeks later, Boris told the nation, The virus is here, so be prepared for what will happen. You can go about your everyday life, but we will now all look the same. So wear name badges. Keep calm and carry on. Meanwhile, the pandemic has spread around the world. The nations can no longer distinguish colours. For generations, some people had been friends with people who only appeared like themselves, and this had caused a lot of upset and inequality amongst others. So with this colour blindness virus, we made new friends, and were even enjoying the pandemic, as it made us think more freely, and we were all treated as an equal, because we look the same as each other. Instead of judging people by the colour of their skin... We were seeing people for who they really are, their personality, kindness, and if they make us laugh. People were supporting each other and sharing stories about their life, and we started to feel much more united during the pandemic. We soon realized that in many ways we are all the same, because deep down we are all human beings. And nothing changes just because of our skin colour or culture. But it is our personalities and things we like that makes us special. Six months later, Boris appeared back on the TV in full colour and said, The pandemic is over and we have found a vaccine. It will be delivered to your house at midday today. And soon we can all see colours again and everything will appear as it used to. When our vision returned to normal, we found we had made all sorts of new friends from different cultures, and life was so much better and happier. Unfortunately for Boris, he forgot to label his clothes, and appeared with blue hair, a pink suit, brown shirt, and a donut tie. The End
1: you have been listening to the dazzling Gugu Mabata Roar, reading Love is Colourblind, the 500 words Black Lives Matter story by nine-year-old Evie. Chris, who's next? Computer
4: Says No, written by 11-year-old Eleanor Hancock and read by Jim Broadbent.
8: Computer Says No by Eleanor Hancock. It's only 9.17am, but already one of the saddest days of my life. I lost a friend today. I met Clayton Palmer about four months ago. I'd just started volunteering at the shop at Hammersmith Hospital. He was 67 years old but looked older, with big hair and kind eyes that smiled when he told me about his old life. The before. He was proud of his Caribbean heritage and loved to talk about famous Barbadians although he claimed all the West Indian cricketers, no matter which island, they called home. We got chatting one grey afternoon when he came in for respite from the rain. In his dripping coat, he settled in front of the shop. I offered him a warm drink. He asked for a tea with two sugars. His voice was London with a soft Caribbean lilt. The TV was on in the foyer, showing sobbing people leaving cards and flowers near the ruined Grenfell Tower, where the horrific fire had happened a few weeks earlier. It's a cry in shame, Clayton said. Life is cheap in this city when you're poor and brown. I must have looked taken aback as he immediately said, I'm sorry miss, I'm just so angry about that fire. Almost eighty people died in that tower. Eighty souls. For what? For the sake of a few thousand pounds for cladding. I didn't know what to say, so I gave a muffled sorry. I know I look a bit rough to you, miss, but I wasn't always homeless. In the before, I lived in Notting Hill in a council flat with mum almost all my life. "'Mum brought me over from Barbados on the HMS Empire Windrush in 1959 when I was six. "'I was scarce sighted when the boat docked in Tilbury, but I had never seen so much grey. "'He paused. "'Mum was a nurse in this hospital for nearly thirty years with the sick children. "'She's passed on now and that's how I come to be here.' I told the council she'd passed away and that I would be responsible for the rent. They called me into their office and told me flat. I didn't exist. Computer says no, he said loudly. See, I came over on my mum's passport and never got one of my own. I never saw the need. His voice cracked. Well. I don't have that choice now. I'm a non person here, and it's in the lap of the gods when I go now. He was being deported to Barbados. I said nothing. What can you say when a person's life is destroyed in an instant? I last saw him a week ago. I brought him a pack up from home this morning, but he won't be coming. He sent a message through a street friend to tell me he had gone back to the sun. I'm screaming inside. Clayton was, no, is a real person. His life matters. It matters to me. That was Acting
3: Powerhouse, Jim Broadbent, reading Computer Says No, the 500 Words Black
4: Lives Matter story by 11-year-old Eleanor. Now, Chris, tell us who our next finalist is. Something You're Not, written by nine-year-old Catherine Ebry and read by Amanda Abington.
9: Something You're Not by Catherine Ebry. Wanted, blue drummer. Ruby read the banner. She felt a ripple of excitement. She knew this was her chance to finally be in a band. She took the banner home to her mum so she could see. Once she got home, she showed her mum. Her mum frowned and looked worried. But darling, (laughs) you can't be in a blue band because you're a red. You have red hair and they have blue. Don't try and be something you're not. But Ruby took no notice. She went upstairs, got out her laptop and ordered a bottle of Super Sapphire hair dye. The next day, Ruby set off to the audition bright and early with her freshly dyed new blue hair flowing in the wind. On her name tag... Instead of Ruby, it read Violet. The auditions were held in a big wood full of bluebells. Ruby felt the sun on her face as she bashed and crashed on the drum kit. The leader of the band, Seneca, smiled and cried out, Way to go, Violet! We have to have you in our band! Cyan and Indy nodded approval towards Ruby and they said, You are a natural drummer, Violet! Ruby glowed with pride. She was going to be in the famous Blue Bashers band. But then, all of a sudden, it started to pour with rain. Everyone rushed under the gazebo for shelter, but Ruby was lost in the music. As she played, the rain trickled over her head onto her face, and Seneca cried out, Look at her hair! Everyone turned to face Ruby. The hair dye was a puddle on the floor, and as they looked up, they saw her hair had got soaked and was red as a cherry. Ruby stopped and realised what had happened. She froze in horror. Sion cried out, ''What on earth happened to your...'' He stopped. ''Red hair!'' Ruby tried to speak, but no words came out. Her eyes welled up with tears and she ran from the woods, leaving a single drumstick behind in a puddle of blue dye. The blue bashers looked at each other. Indy said... She's got red hair, she's not like us at all. But she is, said Seneca. She drums like we do, she gets lost in the music like us. They all said in unison, we've got to fix this. The Blue Bashers picked up the drumstick and Indy fetched a new clean sheet of paper. On it, she wrote, we need our drummer back. Whether you are Violet or not, if this stick belongs to you, you are meant to be one of us come and get it. Days later, when Ruby read the new banner, her mouth twisted into a smile for the first time since the audition. She ran back to the woods to meet the Blue Bashers. But something had changed. Each and every band member now had a different colour hair. Welcome to the Rainbow Rockers, they shouted. Let's play!
1: You've just heard from the awesome Amanda Abington reading Something You're Not, the 500 words Black Lives Matter story by nine-year-old Catherine.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Chris, who's our next finalist?
4: Christopher was quiet in school today. Written by 11-year-old Lucy Moxie and read by Rob Bryden.
10: Christopher was quiet in school today. By Lucy Moxie Christopher was quiet in school today. When I asked him why, he told me he was late home because him and his mum were stopped by the security guard in the grocery store. I remember when that guy helped me when my bike had a flat tire, so obviously he had a good reason to do what he did. He's a good man. After lunch, we did science. I hate science, it's so hard. But Christopher loves it. I have no idea why, but he's very good at it. He's very smart. Christopher was quiet in school today. When I asked him why, he told me his mum still hadn't found a job. I remember months ago Chris said his mum was looking for a job. I don't know why, but I expected she would have found one by now. My mum found a job in only a few weeks. He was quite sad about it. So we played his favourite game at recess. He brought his toy gun into school. He's not allowed, but I didn't tell. That game seemed to cheer him up a bit. We had so much fun. But for some reason, my mum wouldn't let him come over after school. Christopher was quiet in school today. When I asked him why, he said that he and his brother had the talk. I don't know what that means, so I asked him. He said that boys with brown skin had to be told what to do when a cop approached them. Why, though? Police are there to protect us, doesn't he understand that? Police are our friends. Chris told me he heard his parents say that there were guns in our area, whatever that means. Then we played soccer. It was super fun. I like soccer. Christopher was quiet in school today. When I asked him why, he said he was watching the news and his dad told him to go out the room. But he peeked at it anyway. He saw riots and police and signs that said BLM. What's BLM? Why was Chris watching the news anyway? It's boring. I never watch the news. And why would Chris's dad tell him to go out the room? There's nothing to hide. Like I said, it's boring anyways. At lunchtime, we played tag. I was it. But when I went home, my mum told me I couldn't hang out with Chris anymore. I was super sad about it. What did Chris ever do wrong? Christopher was not in school today. He might have caught the bug, I thought. It's spreading. The teachers called us into assembly. Our teacher was crying. She told us, Chris is not coming to school today. That he's never coming to school, ever again, whatever that means. She said the police had thought the toy gun he had was real. I don't understand. I'm scared. I wish Chris were here so I could ask him what this is all about.
3: You've been listening to the voice of Rob Bryden, reading Christopher Was Quiet in School Today. The 500 Words Black Lives Matter story by 11-year-old Lucy.
4: Now, Chris, tell us who our next finalist is. Grandpa Is, written by nine-year-old Emerson Nowenry and read by Stephen Graham.
11: Grandpa Is, by Emerson Wanery. Grandpa is fresh brown bun from the local shop. A treat of toast and tea in the morning just for we. Grandpa is helping around the house. Only the best will do for Nan giving her the favourite tomato soup in a pan. Grandpa is laughing at the telly, telling jokes every night, telling us about his stories that made us very bright. Grandpa is going shopping for us, don't matter the price, getting ice cream and chocolate cake, always treating us to something nice. Grandpa is Jamaican-style food. Loving the fried dumpling and the hot chicken. Always wanting us to go there with him. Grandpa say, mind you don't fall down the stairs, you know. Grandpa, nice.
1: That was the incredible Stephen Graham reading Grandpa Is. The 500 words Black Lives Matter story by nine-year-old Emerson Waneri. Now, Chris, tell us who our next finalist is.
4: BAPA, written by nine-year-old Samuel Martin and read by Sanjeev Bhaskar.
2: BAPA, by Samuel Martin. My little sister B reckons I should change the title of my story to Grandad. She thinks people won't understand who my story is about. Mum doesn't know, but at school I do refer to him as Grandad. It's just easier that way. My name is Joe. I was named after my BAPA who was also called Joe. Well, his name is actually Mubarak, but when he came to England at 17 years old, he was told he had to change it to Sam or Joe. Bappa chose Joe. Stepping off the plane from Nairobi and beginning his life as a dental student at Guy's Hospital must have been a huge adventure for Bappa. The furthest I've been from my hometown in Hampshire is to Staffordshire to visit Grandma and granddad. It was still an adventure, and the temperature difference was probably comparable, as Grandad doesn't believe in central heating. The stories of Bapa's student days are brilliant. He had a close-knit group of friends, and they caused havoc in the phantom headroom. Apparently, this is a room of robotic heads to practice drilling teeth, not as spooky as the name suggests. Bapa dissolves into hysterics and his eyes glint with mirth when he recalls sending an old lady to the canteen for a hot cuppa having just fitted her new dentures, only to discover later they had in fact fitted her with wax build-ups rather than the acrylic end results. He's less animated when he retells his first attempts to get a job post-qualification. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. Hello. Hi. My name is Joe. I'm a new dental graduate from Guy's. I believe you have a vacancy for a dental surgeon. Bapa had been to an international school and has a cut glass English accent. Why, yes, sir, we do. Uh, would you be interested? Um, we could see you this afternoon for an interview. What did you say your name was again? It's Joe. Joe, Samji. Oh, I'm. Uh, I'm terribly sorry. My mistake. The vacancy is gone. Minutes later, Bapa's friend, Di Davis, would phone for the same job and get the interview. Weirdly, the position was available again. Bapa met my Nani and they got married. The neighbours blanched to witness a divorced white woman buying a house, but they were in danger of spontaneous combustion when moving day revealed that the divorced white woman came with an Indian husband. Nani had a hard time in a mixed-race marriage but she gave back as good as she got. Once a neighbour asked, What colour are your children? Without missing a beat, she answered, Oh, they're blue with pink spots. Bapa owned his own practice in dorking, and despite a bumpy start, became a well-respected, loved even, if you can ever love a dentist, member of the community. His biggest mental anguish these days is who should he support in the cricket he will always be my Bapa, not Grandad.
3: You've just heard the ever-superb Sanjeev Bhaskar reading Bappa, the 500 words Black Lives Matter story by 11-year-old Samuel. And now, read by two new star names, here are our two winners.
4: Michael Underwood now has the winner of the five to nine-year-olds. That's right, the five to nine category. Before I reveal who the
3: overall winner of this category is, I thought we should get into what the judges thought their final sum-ups of this winning story. So, Angelica?
1: Okay, yes, Mallory Blackman said, this is a real gem of a story and is deeply, deeply rooted in reality. The last sentence is one of the best closes I've ever read. Francesca Simon, well done. Your story's sensational. Whilst it read like an essay, it created an engaging and amazing story. Then we went to Charlie Higson. Of all the stories we've read, this remained with me for a long time. It's incredibly memorable and is such an important piece of writing. And finally, Frank Cottrell-Boyce, easily and by far the most accomplished piece of work in this category. A joy to read.
3: So, which piece of writing are we talking about? I can tell you that the winner... Of 500 words, Black Lives Matter in the 5 to 9 category is... Sarah De with I Feel Out of Control! And I believe Sarah is on the line now. Good morning, Sarah! Good morning!
12: How do you feel? I feel excited and
1: crazy (laughs) (laughs) excited and crazy you go crazy sarah you go crazy listen your story was amazing i mean and like mallory said the last sentence was so poignant just tell us a bit where did you get your inspiration from i got my inspiration
12: from one of my mum's friends that lives in minneapolis and she sent lots of photos of where george floyd died and one of the photos was a mural and I really like the mural, so I chose chosen to base the story on that.
1: I mean, that is incredible.
3: It's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And did you find it difficult to write the story? Did it take you a long time?
1: I find, I found it quite difficult. Quite difficult? Well, quite difficult, but you, well, maybe because it was difficult, that's why you were able to, so eloquent with it and be able to put your th- thoughts out there, do you think? Yes. Yeah.
3: So how did your friends feel when they found out that you were a finalist? I mean, have you, did you get loads of phone calls? Did family get in touch? What was the reaction? Um,
12: lots of my friends felt quite happy. Some of them felt jealous.
3: Oh. oh. Well, that'll always happen.
12: Yeah, it doesn't
1: change when you get older.
3: So. Don't let that bother you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a life lesson. It's a life lesson, Sarah. But do you know what? I'm sure you were strong through it. And look now how are they going to feel. You are the winner in your category (laughs) which is incredible yep yep i love it listen thank you so much we are blown away by what you do we've got some fantastic things lined up for you as well you're going to be coming down here to virgin radio spending time with the team we're going to be taking you out we're going to be working out exactly what we can do once these lockdown rules are relaxed but we know it's going to be an amazing time for you and of course your story is going to appear in the 500 words black lives matter book as well all of
4: that and so much more Cool. <laughs> it, is, it is cool. That's it's exactly so cool. what it is. Uh, Sarah, have a great day. Uh, we'll see you as soon as we possibly can. Uh, congratulations. And <laughs> uh, now we have your story one more time on the actual radio, read by Mark Strong.
13: I Feel Out of Control by Sarah Dion George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. A police officer knelt on his neck until he died. George Floyd was black. The police officer is white. People are marching to demand that it does not happen again. They are marching against police cruelty and against racism. I feel out of control. I'm so angry and sad. When I feel like this, I like to draw pictures. I find that it helps me to feel better. But today was different. I took my bucket of chalk and headed outside to start drawing on the sidewalk. I began writing George Floyd's name in big yellow letters when my neighbour Mohammed walked by. I'm angry too, he said. He picked up a piece of chalk and started drawing figures of the protesters inside my bubble letters. While Mohammed drew, he shared his own stories of racism. My classmate Ping walked by. I can't believe this happened, he said, and grabbing a piece of chalk, started drawing. Ping explained how the discrimination he and his family face has gotten worse with COVID 19. I'm not a virus, you know, he said, as he drew a large sunflower onto the sidewalk. Mohammed and I nodded. We know. My neighbour Anna came by. Anna arrived in the UK some 20 years ago from Poland. The world has become very scary, she said, as she bent down and made a summer sky with sweeps of blue and white chalk. Some people broke all the windows at my son's grocery shop because of Brexit and wrote go home across the door, she finally whispered. Mohammed patted her hand. Kwame, my best friend from next door, came over carrying a list of people's names who also faced police unkindness. He took a piece of chalk and began writing their names inside Ping's sunflower. Terence Crutcher was killed by police, even though he had no gun and was no threat, Kwame explained, as he signed his name to the sidewalk. Mr Crutcher's death led to protests in Tulsa. Eric Garner died after being placed in a strangling hold by a police officer. He died because he couldn't breathe, just like George Floyd. Kwame said quietly. Breonna Taylor was shot by police while standing in her own apartment. Kwame wrote her name. Freddie Gray died in the back of a police van. He broke his neck. Kwame carefully added Gray's name. Together, Mohammed, Ping, Anna, Kwame and I drew at the centre of our drawing a picture of George Floyd. I drew the head, while Ping drew the eyes and nose. Kwame drew the ears and mouth, Anna the hair, and Mohammed the upper body. I proudly looked at the drawing we made. I knew that tonight's rain would likely wash away our drawing, and I knew that tomorrow morning I would likely wake up feeling again, out of control, and needing to draw. But for today... I say it softly to myself. I can breathe now.
1: You've been listening to the acting extraordinaire Mark Strong reading the winning 500 words Black Lives Matter story I Feel Out of Control, by nine-year-old Sarah.
4: Right, let's have our second winner. Welcome to all the finalists this week. You are all winners, uh, but we have the best in show, if you like, uh, for the 10 to 13-year-olds. Who's going to lead the charge? Yes,
3: I'm going going to go in for this one. So we have the overall winner for 500 Words Black Lives Matter in the 10 to 13 category. Uh, But before we get to the announcement, we're going to find out exactly what the judges thought about this story.
1: Of the winning story, the judges said, this was Malamu Blackman, what an incredible story story there are so many themes of the movement woven in subtly the use of the narrator is so so clever francesca simon i adore the use and repetition of the refrain the first line over and over again it's outstanding charlie higson we are fortunate to gain a connection with both children it's so powerful and moving and introduces the reader to a different points of view frank cottrell boyce the way you planted the toy gun so unassumingly and then suddenly make it the main focal point of the story is phenomenal little clue there you showed such control of the piece and dealt with the issue at hand remarkably
3: so the winner of 500 words black lives matter in the 10 to 13 category is lucy moxie and lucy's on the
12: line right now good morning lucy congratulations
4: <laughs> how are you
12: feeling I'm just very shocked because there's so many good stories oh. and I, I, I didn't know that I was going to win.
3: Honestly, your story, Christopher, was quiet in school today, is so, so emotional. I don't know. I need to know from you. Where did you get your inspiration? Where did you get the idea from this story?
12: Well, with, like, the current situation going on, I just thought that, the best way to like share what's going on and try
1: to change it is with a story, yeah I thought it was really clever um because you showed so much empathy in it, Lucy, and I liked that it had two different perspectives um how How do you feel about everything?
12: um there's five days and there's five hundred words, so if there's a hundred words a day and a different thing happens every day um I just thought that can show what actually happens in real
1: life. Wow. So you broke it down like <laughs> really that. I, I would never have thought of that. No, that's no, so no, smart. That is
3: so, so smart, Lucy. And, <laughs> really you can, and you can see that within your story, which is sort of a structure of a poem, actually, isn't it? The way that it's done. But it's beautiful. And that explanation actually clears it up now. Yeah. I can totally see Another what you were doing. Soul. I know. Yeah. It's absolutely and incredible.
1: Lucy, why did you want to um, enter the competition? Well it was actually my school
12: that gave the children the details of this competition um, and I just thought it was a fun way to just like write a story and share it with people and I didn't think that I would get this far.
3: It's amazing. Should we give you a school to shout out? Go and give your a school to shout out for us. Who are they?
12: Archbishop Cramner.
3: Oh, well, listen, thank you very much to your school. Amazing. And thank you to all the schools, actually, that showed support throughout this competition because that's what it's really about, is spreading the word and spreading the message. But Lucy, oh, listen, we have got someone now... It's mega. ...to read out your story. Mega. And you know what? We thought we need somebody of the kind of quality that Lucy Moxie deserves. Well, where do we go for Lucy Moxie quality, Lucy? We go to the Hollywood A-list... So, Lucy, reading out your story, Christopher was quiet in school today, is the wonderful, the amazing, the incredible Nicole Kidman.
4: Are you you ready, Lucy? Yeah. Okay, here we go. This is actual Nicole Kidman.
14: Christopher was quiet in school today by Lucy Moxie. Christopher was quiet in school today. When I asked him why, he told me he was late home because him and his mum were stopped by the security guard in the grocery store. I remember when that guy helped me when my bike had a flat tire. So we obviously had a good reason to do what he did. He's a good man. After lunch, we did science. I hate science. It's so hard, but Christopher loves it. I have no idea why, but he's very good at it. He's very smart. Christopher was quiet in school today. When I asked him why, he told me his mum still hadn't found a job. I remember months ago, Chris said his mum was looking for a job. I don't know why I expected she would have found one by now. My mum found a job in only a few weeks. He was quite sad about it, so we played his favourite game at recess. He'd bought his toy gun into school. He's not allowed, but I didn't tell. That game seemed to cheer him up a bit. We had so much fun, but for some reason my mum wouldn't let him come over after school. Christopher was quiet in school today. When I asked him why, he said he and his older brother had had the talk. I don't know what that means, so I asked him. He said that boys with brown skin had to be told what to do when a cop approached them. Why though? Police are there to protect us, doesn't he understand that? Police are our friends. Chris told me he'd heard his parents say that there were guns in our area, whatever that means. Then we played soccer. It was super fun. I like soccer. Christopher was quiet in school today. When I asked him why, he said he was watching the news and his dad told him to go out the room. But he peeked at it anyway. He saw riots and police signs that said BLM. What's BLM? Why was Chris watching the news anyway? It's boring. I never watch the news. And why would Chris's dad tell him to go out the room? There's nothing to hide, like I said. It's boring anyways. At lunchtime we played tag. I was it. But when I went home, my mum told me I couldn't hang out with Chris anymore. I was super sad about it. What did Chris ever do wrong? Christopher was not in school today. He might have caught the bug, I thought. It's spreading. The teachers called us into assembly. Our teacher was crying. She told us Chris is not coming to school today, that he's never coming to school ever again, whatever that means. She said the police had thought the toy gun he had was real. I don't understand. I'm scared. I wish Chris were here so I could ask him what this is all about.
3: That was the one and only Nicole Kidman reading the winning 500 words Black Lives Matter story, Christopher Was Quiet in School Today by 11 year old Lucy.
1: I am Angelica Bell. I'm Michael Underwood. Thank you for listening to the 500 words Black Lives Matter podcast special.
9: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.